Hello and welcome to New Era Fintech Podcast. Today we are talking sales. Now, I have been banging on about sales and fintech and technology vendors from the point of view of a, of a guy who's worked in banks, but I am no expert, very clearly no expert. So guess what? I thought we should go and get one. I have one in the form of James. James, hello. How are you doing? Good, good, good to see you, James. Thank you for joining us. I, I would like everyone to please listen to James's message, listen to what he's got to say in the context of sales and the process of selling to banks and, and to big companies. Uh, I'm going to ask James to give an introduction in a moment, but for the longest time, I have been out in the marketplace talking to fintech and technology vendors and finding that they they are challenged, 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 challenged on, on how, on the business of selling. So uh, let's get stuck in. James, first of all, can you give us a background to you? Who are you and, and what, what's your background? Um, so man and boy, I've been in sales for 25 years now. It's kind of pretty scary to think that my career has even been that long. Um, but, uh, you know, I started off selling office supplies door to door for a stationary supply company and all the way through to now I've, uh, I've been responsible for large ticket enterprise deals up to eight figures and leading some of the commercial teams for some unicorns, uh, um, like, uh, like Mambu and Backbay. So I, I think I've got a fairly good breadth of sales experience in that time. Now that, that I find astonishing because that's proper. Jay, proper in the you know knocking on the door going uh, hello hello and you know there's a lot of rejection there's a lot of you know uh, uh, I would imagine self confidence needed here how, how did that shape your your journey into enterprise I think probably the biggest thing is it it helps you develop a sense of of, of grit you know a lot of salespeople today find it very easy to hide behind email cadences and automation. And actually, when you've got to walk into someone's office, you very quickly have to lose um, that fear. Otherwise, you don't survive. Obviously, you know, as you develop as an enterprise salesperson, it's a lot more craft and a lot less graft. But, you know, a lot of those things that you learn from the early days serve you very well. Now, that I, I'd like you, if you could, could you expand on your perspective on what you see happening in the marketplace. I have lots of technology clients I'm working with, fintechy or technology vendor, because uh, some are very, very different maturity levels. But sales is a, a, a key challenge. And I, I have identified, I've tripped over it uh, with, with some of the posts I've been writing about you know, wondering why uh, the focus is not getting the person in the room. And, and you know, a, a, lot, a lot of the salespeople I'm meeting they, they have zero support. I think it's fair to say zero support from the rest of the business. It feels to me as though the marketing teams are busy doing their thing and then perhaps dropping over some leads to the sales guys and saying over to you. What are you seeing and what have you been seeing over the last years, year or two in particular? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, <laughs> we, we, could, we could talk about nothing else, but you know, at a strategic level, I think there is still a problem with sales and marketing not being fundamentally joined up. There's obviously a big wave that talks about RevOps, but you know, the reality is I don't see that. Um, I think too often marketing uh, are incentivized to provide what, what's known as MQLs, which is essentially just harvesting contact information rather than providing you know, genuine value to the customer that it kind of elicits and makes them want to, to reach out to salespeople and have those additional phone conversations. You know, at the sales execution level, 
the problems that we're seeing are, are probably the same ones that have been around for, for some time in the fact that culturally salespeople, um, a lot of times sales businesses are more interested in, in measuring failure than, than coaching success. So sales management is completely geared towards gathering information and reporting rather than helping kind of optimize performance. But, you know, those are two of the key things, but there are so, there are so many and it varies from client to client. How do you handle it? Because I would imagine it's different if you're if you're selling boxes or or if you're selling licenses to Salesforce, for example, right? That that uh, you know, okay, maybe a bank might take a long time, but you know, how, how is it different when you are selling big bits of software, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. So it may take I, I think you know, a while, right? But yeah, how how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, when you when you sell something that's low value, it's a volume game. The cost of failure is incredibly small. You know, it's very easy to learn from. You know, you just pick yourself up. You lost that deal. You move on to the next one. With enterprise selling, I mean, first of all, the term enterprise selling is is very poorly defined. But if you just assume that you know the profile of an enterprise sale is probably eighteen to twenty four months, it's going to be six or seven figures. Your entire target is going to be composed of one, two, or maybe three at the most deals. So you just can't afford those kind of failures. And the big difference is, you know, you, you suddenly move from um, from playing checkers to chess and every move that you, you make needs to be considered kind of, you're looking 15 steps ahead because the cost of that, you know, is, uh, is too high if you get it wrong. Now you write a lot. James, a lot about almost every day. I, I think I'm right in saying about the, the various different techniques that that people, especially in fintech or in financial technology, could be think, thinking of. Where, where are you getting that those tips from? Give us some background to that. I think a lot of it is is just learned throughout an entire career. Now, where do I learn those lessons? I think it's the same place that everyone learns them. I think I've, I've had the fortune to, to work with some of the smartest and best people in the world. I work with some terrible bosses and, you know, those experiences tend to teach you quite a lot as well. Um, and, and also I've learned from acquiring scar tissue. Now, you know, one of the things that I hope to achieve in, in sharing that content is, you know, if I can help enterprise salespeople and if I can help uh, revenue leaders, get to a state of high performance without acquiring quite as much scar tissue as me, then I've, you know, I, I've put something good into the world. Right. Okay, great. Say more. I, I, cause I should have said, say more please about what is it that you're offering today? Cause I think that is a, comp a really compelling service. Give us an overview of that, please. Yeah, so so my, my business, which is tech market access has been around for eight, 18 months and we're really just kind of, um, firming up things now, but we do three things predominantly. We provide fractional interim uh, revenue leadership. We help with specific projects and we also do uh, advisory and coaching, whether it's to executives or to, you know, big ticket enterprise salespeople. And um, I think the, you know, the area where there's so much need at the moment is in, in the advisory space. I don't really like the term coaching. We had a joke about this before we started. You know, it seems like in the world you can't throw a stone without hitting a life coach at the yeah. moment. But, you know, to me, what I think sales leaders, revenue leaders and individual contributors lack is an impartial sounding board. You know, sometimes having skin in the game is a bad thing because it creates bias. But being able to reach out to someone that, that doesn't have a vested interest, you know, to be able to talk through problems, draw on their experience, I think that has an incredible value. And I, I think 
technology businesses in general should have a board of advisors across all of the key disciplines, sales, marketing, product, technology, having that pool of expertise that their, their team can draw on, it's just worth its weight in gold. Is, is there a risk here, James, that you, if you are that revenue leader or that, that sales or, or commercial executive, is there a strong risk that you're meant to be or you're expected to be on your own, right? I know everything. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, I, you know, I think that's a really unhealthy thing about our culture that, you know, we um, we kind of interpret that as weakness and, and we, we in kind of intrinsically try and hide that. And I think, you know, that can account, without going too deep, that can account for a, a hell of a lot of what's wrong with business today is that, you know, we have this toxic relationship with, with weakness and failure uh, and that actually stands in the way of our successes. So, yeah, it, it, it's something that a lot of businesses uh, wrestle with. And I, I think it's a, a huge shame because, you know, ultimately we all want high quality outcomes and that should be our North Star. See, I, I, I meet a lot of companies where, you know, they're, they're, they're perhaps able to speak to me because I, like, like, I, I'm, I'm just a guy, right, who has done some work in banks and they oh, will ask his opinion. It, you know, how... How is it an admission of failure, right, for a lot of people to say, oh, we're going to bring in James? You know, because it clearly isn't, right? Because the insights that you've got, I, he I hear you, I hear you. How do you get around that with, with client? How do you deal with, with that, that, that approach? I mean, it's one of those things. I, I don't think that's a part of the journey that I can help them on. You know, it, you know for, for example, you know, if I use an example from your world, Ewan, if you're looking to buy a new ERP system, you, you don't do that until the pain has built to, you know, to, to such a level. I think the key difference here is um, that people are so used to dealing with pain in their daily lives, it becomes what I refer to as a cost of doing business. They, they think it's acceptable or normal. So the only thing that I would do is kind of educate people that, you know, you have a choice, you don't have to bear that pain every day. And, you know, there are people out there that can support. And it's really down to you as to, you know, making that move and, and reaching out to them and, and finding the right people to support your business, the people that have the right expertise. It is that because again, when I'm when I'm seeing some of these senior, yeah, you know, the CEO, the board, yeah, um, and and when they're setting the strategy, the strategy to say you know, there's, there's twenty banks, there's eighty banks, or whatever, yeah, and 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 it's it's, it's just one guy per bank we're targeting, you know, just you know, go for it, and you you've you've got you've got the names, why haven't you got the deals? Mm. I, I I think there is there's quite I, I spend a lot of time working with those individuals. To be saying, like, why, why are we not doing it this way, right? Mm. You know, you, you, the, the, the sales team is, as you say, holding that pain, just that mm. pain, that pain of expectation. But in, in many cases, some of the companies I've been speaking to, they've gone weeks without new, new customer conversation, weeks, right? Yeah. And they're, they're, they're sending LinkedIn messages, they're, they're emailing, they're, they're doing everything they can to try, but they're, they're getting silence, silence. Yeah. yeah. Now, so what, what are they... What do you say to to those those type of uh, situations? Yeah, how do they use you on a, on a, on, a, on a a daily basis or a regular basis to to really change things? Yeah, so I mean, if we if we look at that particular example, you know, the first thing that I look to do is 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 diagnose a problem, and I mean, it, at its most basic level, the problem is either 
how do you generate top of funnel pipelines or how are you creating dialogues or and the second part of it is how are you once there's that kind of nascent interest how are you managing those processes to successful outcomes and for the, the maximum potential value um, so you know diagnosis is very much the, the first thing that i that i look to do one of the things that i would say though is if you are a business and pipeline is one of your main concerns at the moment, um, it's really important that you get started now because, you know, we there's these kind of old sayings like salespeople were so good they could sell ice to Eskimos, you know, sand to the um, sand to the Arabs. Um, sorry if that's uh, um, <laughs> inappropriate metaphor. No, no, no. But the reality is that salespeople aren't Jedi. They can't do the Jedi mind trick and create a need where there is none. The process of a customer acknowledging that they need to fix a problem, becoming aware of potential solutions and then conducting a search is something that in banks particularly takes a period of, of 24 months. So first of all, I think if your expectation is for salespeople to quote unquote make rain, then you have a fundamentally flawed understanding of how customers buy. Yeah. Salespeople might be able to open the door, but your your whole kind of your your marketing mix needs to be comprised of channel partners to identify opportunities, marketing, thought leadership, all of these things. And you need to be in it for the long game. Um, so, yeah, my 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 one piece of advice is um, if you're waiting until you really feel that pain acutely, it, it might be too late. You really need to get ahead of it now. How do you handle the view that says, look, I've given you a £50 a month or a $60 a month LinkedIn account. What else do you need? I would say go back to the 1980s, um, you know, <laughs> and, and there's, there's lots to be said for, you know, you know the expectation upon salespeople um, to, to, to do it all from start to finish just isn't representative of how um, people, people buy anymore. And, and equally, the other side of that is, the marketing teams need to be acknowledged, raised up and celebrated in the same way that historically salespeople did. And they need to be performance remunerated as well. You know, I think there in some quarters is still this stigma of marketing as, you know, they make things pretty and kind of dress it up. And that just, you know, marketing is, I'm sorry, salespeople, probably the most important hire that you can make because, you know, since the, you know, since the internet, uh, 10, 15 years ago, it shifted the power dynamic into the hands of the buyer. They can find information on anything from anywhere. And what buyers have chosen to do is use this power to, you know, take control of the sales process. They're not reliant on salespeople anymore. They can go to Gartner, um, they can go to peers, they can go to social media. And if you're not playing in that space alongside your sales, then um, yeah, the future probably doesn't look good for you. What does, can you give us uh, an idea? What does good look like? Now, what, what, what I mean by that is, you know, if, if I'm a, uh, most people listening or watching are um, focused on the enterprise, enterprise sales, banks, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, what does good look like? From, from zero, we don't know anyone at Parabar or at Societe Generale, you, we don't know anyone, to sale complete, you know, multi-million sale completed. What's your, how does that, how would you be doing that? How does that look? Right. How would you begin that? And what's that journey look like? Yeah. So, uh, look, I mean, 
the term what does good look like well first of all that needs to be defined throughout every single touch point um so we'd need to narrow narrow down that definition a little bit more but if you just say you know defining good within the sales process which which i would remind you the sales process starts when they engage with you yeah but before the sales process even starts there's the buying process you oh. just weren't present and you didn't have visibility of that and that's right. and that's something critical to understand but you know within the sales process when you do have direct control there are going to be multiple touch points you know how do you deliver your value proposition in a clear way how do you gather requirements how do you respond to rfps you know all of these are particular points that need to have good or a best practice defined in an organization so you know you can test that you should be able to go into your business and pick any one of those points along the sales process and have a very clearly documented playbook of what good looks like yeah so you should have a multi-page document on how your company responds to rfps and uh, and that's something that the entire organization is is on board with so yeah defining excellence is something that needs to be done you know at multiple points across the process so I'm cu- I'm curious, James. This awesome, awesome, because you can see my naivety here, or just lack of knowledge. Because I'm I, I'm saying, take us through the from the start to finish, and then of course I'm I layperson. I'm thinking of, you know, we we find a way to get into in front of Bob, you know, right? But you what you're correctly highlighting is there's a heck of a lot of activity that's happening way before that. Mm. You know, what what does that what I, I'm wondering, can you give an ideal scenario of here's how I would do it, right? You've got your fintech, you, you've got your one or two customers. I, I see this a lot. You know, they've got some customers or they've got you know, some scale, enough that they've got a team and it's all good. They've got investors, but uh, they've got product market fit for, with those ones, mm-hmm. but they got them, these banks somehow. Now they've got to go out you know, naked, if you like. You've got to start from scratch. Yeah, and you know, how, how do you do? How do you build that? And how would you advise? Do you have a a, a process for this? Because that's a heck of a lot of work, of work right? It, it it is a heck heck of a lot of work. So, yeah, it's such a big question, you and I, I don't right, know where, sorry, to, sorry. Where, where to where 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 to where to break it up. <laughs> um, but so look, if if you look at how banks buy, it is fundamentally no different than how you or me as human beings buy. So if you ask yourself, what was the last important thing that I as an individual bought that was, you know, expensive enough that it required some consideration, a mountain bike, a car, a flat screen TV, a laptop, any, any of those things. Think about the process that you as a human being went through. And I would wager that you probably at the start of that process, you talked to your friends, you talked to people say, that, yeah. that had gone yeah. through that process spent a lot of time on social media, you read reviews, and you do this before you even reached out. Yeah. So if you accept that statement to to be in any way true, then you need to reverse engineer that from a marketing standpoint, and think about what are the channels that all of your potential buyers traverse, like what are the who are their network? And how can you put content in there that is value add? Yeah, and I'm not talking about Firing uh, poorly thought marketing, like in, in front of them, um, you're not uh, you're not selling coupons or anything like that. What you need to be doing is understanding the journey that they need to go and 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 seed that content along the way. Yeah. Now, 
if you do that properly, by the time that they reach out to you, you'll already have a fairly good position. Now, there's a, there's a well-used piece, uh, piece of data, which is these days, when the buyer reaches out to a salesperson, the point at which they want to engage, their decision process is already 70% complete. Yeah. So you're either in the room or you're not. Wow. Um, so yeah, if once you're in the room, the name of the game for the salesperson is, is don't mess it up at that point. But the right. real game happens before that. James, this is really, really stimulating. But I, I, I wonder, can I ask you, I've got two questions for you, right? I, um, uh, in, in, in parallel. So I'll, I'll ask the first one. The first one is, uh, and I'm going to give you some time to think here, right? So the first question is, what, what good stuff have you seen? Right. What, 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 where have you been really impressed in B2B? You don't need to mention a company. Or, but I'm really interested in something that's really caught your attention and you've seen that this, this particular technique in sales that's been really cool. <clears throat> and then I'd like to ask you about the opposite. So what, what, what have you seen that's, been, that's really impressed you recently, for example? Well, look, I think the, uh, honestly, one of the gold standards from, a, from a, a sales and marketing perspective within fintech is, uh, is probably Backbase. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, they've been around for a while, but, you know, the way they throw events, uh, the way they position, the way they engage with their audience, um, they're, they're, they're an excellent business. Um, yeah. When, when you say Backbase, I haven't been to any of their events, but I have heard a lot of people talking about them, which I think is probably fundamentally your point. What is yeah. it they're, they're doing that's better than, say, others? It's... It's everything that I've talked about earlier, which is how they connect with the audience by kind of providing helpful information fundamentally, because they know that, you know, I, things like mission critical technology, so front end, core, ERP, CRM, they appreciate that, you know, selling, selling that is like selling a heart transplant door to door. Like there is either a need or there isn't a need. So it's about providing really like a very long-term uh, level of support and uh, letting their market know that at the point of need, we're here. Uh, and I think enterprise sales is kind of fundamentally that when, when marketing is done well. Really cool, really cool. Then, then uh, so good, well done, Backbase. Well done, big tick, Backbase. Uh, maybe no, no names now, <laughs> perhaps, or, or, or feel free, but where, where, what, what's a bug bear of you? What, what, what really frustrates you in, in enterprise sales? Yeah, so for, I'll give two responses, if I may. So Please. from a marketing perspective, what really drives me mad is nebulous value propositions. Like I've been on people's websites and I've spent 10 minutes browsing the website and I still don't have a clue what they do. Like I'm not able to put them in a little bit of a box. Now I've been in FinTech for 15 years. So if I can't, if I can't kind of figure out what they do after 15 seconds, you know, there's fundamentally a problem with that business and so many businesses out there, it's just almost indecipherable as to what they do. Now, if I can't understand it, their potential buyers have got absolutely no chance. Um, from, a, from a sales perspective, because obviously sales and marketing, um, sales is the other side of that coin. Um, what I think gets done really badly by enterprise salespeople is gathering information and really understanding customers you know, knowing what to, um, knowing what information that they need and knowing how to elicit that information is kind of critical in guiding uh, customers through that process. And I use guiding very deliberately because, 
you know, sales should not be this kind of adversarial process where you're trying to outsmart each other. I think sales, when it's done really, really well, adds a huge amount of uh, value to, to, to prospects and to banks in this case. So, you know, when a, when a really good salesperson can help understand a requirement, I, I think, you know, music is made. James, awesome. Now, look, for, for those watching and listening and thinking, we need to have a conversation. Yeah, how do I work with you? What, what, what's your recommendation? How do people contact you? Well, the best thing that you can do is, is follow me and reach out on, on LinkedIn. I'm highly visible. Um, you know, from a, from a pricing perspective, um, I put a load of free content on LinkedIn, which encapsulates so many of the lessons from, from my career. So whether you're a leader or you're an enterprise salesperson, there's a lot to be taken for free there. But if you're after something a little bit more personal, please give me a call, reach out, drop me an instant message and uh, happy to have a conversation with you. Awesome, awesome. Uh, then please, please do uh, reach out. I'll, I'll put the, uh, uh, the LinkedIn profile uh, for James. I'll put, put it in, in the show notes. Uh, follow him. Awesome. James, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Ian.